Well, good morning, everyone. I'm so excited to be with you today. The sun is shining. It's a little warmer. We can celebrate that, right? My name is Vanessa. I'm on staff in our kids ministry department here. And Betty, our executive pastor, and I have teamed up to give you a message on patience. I know that's exactly what you wanted to hear this morning. I'm a mother of a four-year-old daughter who is continually learning and appreciating this skill of patience. Every day, it seems that my daughter Jordan, around 4.30, asks for a snack. Dinner is at 5.36, so a snack isn't out of the question, but normally it's not really a snack. One time she asked me for a bowl of oatmeal, which is kind of its own meal. And I know that if I give her that oatmeal, she's not going to eat the dinner that I have been working so hard to prepare for her. And I also know that oatmeal is not going to give her the same nutritional value as our dinner that we're going to have. As her mother, I have to help her have faith and patience and wait and know that there is something better ahead. Of course, I'm not going to leave her high and dry. She'll have a clementine. That'll be the perfect little snack, and she will survive. This is a very basic story of patience, and I wish that I could tell you this is as hard as it gets, but unfortunately, that's not the case. One of the biggest stories of patience in the Bible is the deliverance of God's people from Egypt. For over 400 years, they had cried out to God, desiring um, deliverance from the chains of slavery. For generations, they had been a part of Egypt's slaves. The process of deliverance was not easy. Not only did they have to wait for God's perfect timing and then be ready when his timing came, they also had to overcome 10 plagues. They had a home to leave, friends to leave. They had to cross the Red Sea, but there was freedom at the end of it all. And God was right there with them every step of the way. Even when they made mistakes and actively made choices against him. The choices that they made took them down long, hard paths, but God was there waiting. My daughter has a Bible book with one of my favorite lines, and it says, the Israelites were naughty almost all the time. <laughs> and it's true. They just couldn't figure out this patience in the, way, uh, in the midst of waiting for God's goodness. They wanted to do things their own way on their own time. And this leads me to today's scripture. It can be found in the book of Isaiah. God's people are once again not following God's laws. And things aren't going well for them. Instead of repenting and turning to God, they're crying out to help to no one other than Egypt, the people that had just enslaved them years before. The prophet Isaiah tells how they have rebuked God. And there's going to be consequences. In fact, they're living in those consequences. But ultimately, there will be restoration and blessings because God has not left them ever. Isaiah 30, 18 says, Therefore, the Lord waits to be gracious to you, and therefore he exalts himself to show mercy to you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are those who wait for him. The Lord waits graciously for you, to you or waits to be gracious to you, sorry. Some translations say, Lord wants to be gracious. God desires to be with us. This is something that we can see throughout the Bible. In Matthew 28, 20, it says, teach them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of time. God created us to be in relation with him, but he also gives us free will. And this is our first point today, that God calls. God calls us. And God calls God's call can look different for all of us, depending on our journey and who we are. It could be very explicit and clear. It could be a feeling or an intuition. It could be a friend holding us accountable. 
It could be that our choices are narrowing down and this is kind of our next step. For my daughter, it's that sense of hunger that she gets every day at 4.30. Her body's telling her something and she's deciphering that as needing food. Our responses to God's call can look different too. I accepted the call to salvation at a young age in Sunday school. And growing up, I felt a continual nudge to work in the church and be in ministry, but I didn't accept that call until much later when I was in my high school years. I eventually went to, ministry, or went to school for ministry and followed that direction. Sometimes the Lord waits years for us to accept our call. My husband didn't accept his call to salvation until he was 18, but he also was called to ministry and he accepted that call much faster than I did. God's call could be salvation, a relationship with him. That could be your next step. Or it could be a next step in your spiritual journey, like attending a small group or baptism. Ryan just talked about tithing. It could be a call to let go of something, like addiction. Or it could be a call to jump into something new, like a relationship or a job. The Israelites had been calling on God, but it wasn't the right time. So they had to be persistent in faith and ready for when he answered. I'm sure some people were skeptical when God finally answered by sending Moses. Moses demanded that his people be free from Pharaoh and Egypt. And then came the plagues. And the Israelites had to choose how to respond, and they had to choose carefully. Were they to trust what was happening? When it came time to leave, they had to have faith that the time was now. When they got to the Red Sea, I'm sure there was a little bit of disappointment. They had left for this. How could they get to the freedom now? Their response was to follow God, his direction, to go, and to do so with faith. Isaiah 30, 18 shows us this is an ever cycle of obedience and patience. Hopefully, we're continually growing and accepting God's calls on our lives. It's not a one-and-done kind of thing. And I say this because there isn't a perfect formula to follow either. We each have our own unique journey. Maybe you feel God has made a clear call to you. Maybe you feel impatient, but you don't know why. Maybe you feel content in life right now. This is where a continual conversational relationship with God is so key. How are we to know what God is waiting for us to do, what he's called us to do, if we're not talking to him? I can't know if my daughter is hungry unless she tells me. It takes a conversation. The Israelites can cry out to God all they want, but they have to wait and listen for God's response. This is, or sorry, identifying the first step is God's, God's call is key to working to the next. Take a moment, just a few seconds, and think, is there something that God is calling you to right now? Thanks, Vanessa. You know, it's a very important question that she starts with, that we ask, is God calling you to something right now? So huge. You know, I think about this idea of patience as we're in February. I need a lot of patience in February because it's still winter. And Christmas is done and spring is, seems far ahead to me, even though I know it's on its way. So when Vanessa asked the question, is God calling you into something right now? Where are you in that place? Where are you and what does God have ahead? for you. Because I believe he does call you. I believe he calls each and every one of us at all the different stages of our life and our faith. And that's why our second point this morning is so, so, so important. In God's faithfulness, because he is faithful, in God's faithfulness, he meets us right where we are. So what's our step? Our step is to accept. 
our step is to say, yes, we will follow the Lord where he leads. So the big question is, are we patient enough to stop our own striving and accept his will, especially when the road ahead is not fully understood? Because to do that requires faith and patience. They must work hand in hand in that process. So I looked at patience and I looked at defining it in a couple of different ways. I think of it kind of in the story that um, Vanessa shared with Jordan, sometimes in those day-to-day things that we have to do. But in my life, I think about those mundane things like waiting in line at the grocery store, waiting at the doctor's office, waiting at soccer practice, which I don't have to do anymore, thank goodness. But I remember those days, just waiting and waiting. And poor Jordan is just learning how to wait and be patient. But then there's another kind of patience that is required to travel in the unknown territory, if you will. This is the patience that I'm going to talk about a little bit this morning because this patience requires that faith. Because when you say yes, oftentimes we are waiting not knowing what's ahead. We are just waiting not knowing what is yet to come. Now, Vanessa mentioned the Israelites' journey So we're going to take a closer look at some of those stories that she talked about. But I think it's first important to note that it's more than a story because these are real people with real emotions on a real journey. They're like you and I, these people who are making these decisions and moving on. They get hungry, they grumble, they rejoice, and they lose their patience a lot, right? So imagine for a moment what went through their minds When they heard the news that Moses was sent by God to unlock their 400-year-old chains of slavery, what would go through their minds? Consider the patience it took, because they had to hear that, right? They didn't know what was next, so they had to wait. What would go through your mind? Would you run and begin packing? Would you go back to your residence and think, okay, I've got to start um, gathering everything up? Would you be the one in the crowd to say, this cannot be, and just walk away? Would that be you? Or maybe you would be one of those who said, you know, I don't know any other life. We're staying here because we're fed, because we're clothed, and because we are just fine. We don't need to take that step. We don't need to take um, something different that imagine what God had planned for them. But did they all take that opportunity? Now, some scholars believe that the plagues lasted 40 days, and some have gone to say that it could have lasted as long as 10 months. But those details are really less important when we believe this, that those plagues lasted the exact amount of time that God commanded. No less and no more. It was in God's control. And the Israelites had no alternative but to wait and watch that plan begin to unfold, a plan that would affect their lives, their future generations to come. Because the outcome was not in their control, again, it was in God's control. They couldn't rush it. They couldn't slow it down. They could only wait. And through this time, their faith would either grow or their faith would begin to falter. And we've all been there, haven't we? In times of waiting in the unknown while God works. And that waiting can cause us to doubt. But that's where patience and faith work so intimately together. We need them both as we walk in the unknown. I remember a story in my own life, a particular time when waiting made me begin to question. 
And this led me to begin to depend on my own understanding, which is always a problem, which only led me to fear and then led me to begin to doubt. My oldest daughter had moved to New York City on an internship from college. She lived there on August 14, 2003. For those of you who are too young to remember that date, there was a widespread blackout that covered not only New York City, but seven states in total in, and Canada. At the time, it was the second most widespread blackout in history, and it affected 50 million people. Anybody remember it? It is believed to have originated in Ohio, of all places, after a bushfire caused a transmission line to go out of service around 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Within an hour, a second transmission line failed, and these created a domino effect. One by one, overloading transmission lines began to fail across the eastern United States. So by 4 o'clock, just two hours later, 3,700 miles of land affecting Michigan and Ohio and Pennsylvania and New Jersey and New York and Connecticut and Vermont and Canada were without power. Many areas. In New York City, all 11,600 traffic signals ceased to work. Can you imagine driving through New York City? The Metropolitan Transit Authority also shut down as a result of the blackout, leaving up to 400,000 people stranded in subway cars. People waited for rescue in stranded elevators. Cabs were hard to find. Subways were stuck, forcing thousands of people to walk those long distances to get to their de destinations. And then you combine all of this with poor cell phone coverage, right? Remember, it was 20 years ago. And my daughter was right in the middle of it. She was 20 years old at the time, working the summer internship in Manhattan, and her building shut down. She had to get back home to her apartment in Queens. No subways, spotty cell phone coverage, no money, because remember, the ATMs weren't working. Remember to carry a little bit of cash on you. So she didn't have any cab fare. And her journey required her to walk from 37th Street in Manhattan across the 59th Street Bridge to her apartment. Can I also add that she was wearing heels? And she didn't dare take them off because of what she might step on as she walked those roads, those bridges and those sidewalks. Can you imagine? I was at home feeling completely helpless and worried about the dangers that she would encounter as she trudged on. So I think about this and I think I was in the dark but in a very different way with very minimal communication. We had to limit our cell phone calls because I didn't want her battery to run out, right? This is a verse that I depended on often since then, and I should have really relied on it at that moment, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. And in all your ways acknowledge him and make your paths straight. It's one that I call out quite often in my life today. It was a long day. I could not predict the outcome. I had to rely on faith, and I just had to wait. There was nothing that I could do. Now, I know that that journey cannot compare to the 40 years in the desert that those Israelites endured, but it provided for me just a small glimpse into what it looks like to wait in the unknown. Because in just a few short hours in that unknown space, I began to question, which led me to come up with all kinds of scenarios that could be happening, which led me to fear and led me to doubt. Those Israelites had waited 400 years, generations, and then 40 more for God's promised land. They questioned. They came up with their own ideas. Real people, remember. 
And they began to fear, and they began even to doubt. After all, how strong was their faith after generations of captivity? So when Moses showed up, it required faith, and it required that patience. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 contains only eight words, but they ring so true here. For we walk by faith, not by sight. A good one for us to remember. And then Hebrews eleven twelve. Now faith is the assurance, the assurance of things hoped for, and the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old receive their commendation. Here's the key to those Israelites. All their questions and fears and doubts, all of it did not prevent God's promises from coming to be. Why? I think there was something about this particular group of people that separated them from the general population. And I don't mean their enslavement. I'm talking about their heritage. I'm talking about their God. I'm talking about his faithfulness, even if their faith was only the size of a mustard seed at the time. When Moses arrived on the scene, their entire lives would take a new turn from familiar to unknown as they began a long new journey of freedom with the end goal to arrive at God's promised land. So how did they focus? Where was their focus even? It makes me begin to question my own journey and my own focus. If God calls, as he calls, I know I'm to go But do I focus on my expectations? Do I focus on my desired outcome, what I think it should be, rather than the journey, the training that God has offered me? I think to focus on my own expectations is called entitlement. But to walk day by day by trusting in God's plan, that's called faith, even when we can't see what's ahead. And we can see both of those in the Israelite story. Their journey was a key component to their growing faith. Their freedom was not instantaneous. Even when Moses arrived, the Israelites still had to wait through the plagues as Vanessa shared. And then finally, they had to trust God as he asked for one final step in their exodus to Egypt, from Egypt. They would be required to place the sacrificial lamb's blood over the doors to ward off the death of the firstborn. What an odd last request but one that would ensure their departure. It would ensure their freedom. They waited all these years, these generations, not knowing or understanding, but all that was about to change. This sacrificial lamb's blood would be significant, right? We know that in so many ways it would be significant. And their freedom was so close, but they weren't done. Just imagine the patience required to endure that last night. A night that many around them would not survive. But remember again, these are real people. These are real people with real fears, with real doubts, and with real questions. All would, we know, as God had promised, lead to freedom. But it would be God's time and it would be God's plan. But isn't that the way it is even now? It's all in God's time, isn't it? What they couldn't know at the time was that this sacrifice that offered them freedom was a foreshadowing of the final perfect sacrifice that we know of today. It would be a foreshadowing of Jesus 
and his sacrifice for us that would offer us freedom to all who would come to believe. Eventually, all of our chains would also be removed if we would follow Jesus, if we would turn to our Lord and Savior, not only us here today, but for generations to come. But the wait is not easy, is it? And the morning after that final night in captivity, they would be freed, and they would pick up all they had known, and they would leave it behind for an unknown journey. Now, to sacrifice means to surrender something for a greater good or purpose. That's what the Israelites did. They were sacrificing what they knew for something different. But what does that mean for you or I today? Sometimes a sacrifice is a career. Sometimes a sacrifice is a relationship or even a lifelong dream that you thought was the right plan. All for something that we can't yet fully see or comprehend that lies ahead of us. So how do we do it? Which brings us to our third point. God is fair and he's just. We know that. And so we can trust in his character. We can trust in his promises as he takes, as he gives us what we need to take action in that next step. He's faithful. We take action because we know that. Where does patience come in? Are we patient enough to endure the hardships of the journey? Because they are not easy. Are we patient enough to endure and trust in God? God called the Israelites out of Egypt and he provided for their journey again and again and again. And he calls us. I have to tell you, though, that my next step is determined from where I am standing right now. And if I wait here, then my next step doesn't change, does it? I must continue forward. I must not let the opportunities go by. During the Israelites' journey, I thought they had to move forward physically, sure, but they also had to move forward spiritually. Each new challenge moved them from one place to another. Each new challenge was an opportunity to stay or to go, to grow in their faith or to falter. Let's look at one more event in the history of the Israelites. Consider the parting of the Red Sea, as Vanessa mentioned. As they journey, they come face to face with an impossible an impossible predicament, a very daunting challenge. Now add to it, the enemy had changed their minds, by the way, and was, now re- was not going to release them any longer. They had determined they were going to go after him, so they were close behind. So I think about the Israelites' choices. What were their choices? Their choices were bad or worse, right? Which, which would they choose? But God did not leave them, although they cried as if he had. He would require them, however, to move from point A to point B, and that path seemed totally impossible as they faced the Red Sea. But God had already started to grow their faith. And as he continued to reveal himself first in Egypt and then in the cloud by day and in fire by night, he gave them tangible proof that he was present with them. He met them right where their faith needed it. And you know, even today, doesn't he do that for us? He meets us right where our faith needs it. In Exodus 14, 3 and 4, we see how Pharaoh tracked them and he made the assumption, incorrectly, that they were wandering without direction. But God had a plan. God was dictating their every move and he was just setting the scene. So Pharaoh and his army chased after the people. And when the Israelites saw the enemy, they they became afraid. They began to doubt. Their patience and their faith in this unknown scenario was still being formed. They weren't sure They were still questioning because they were new to this whole idea of obedience and trust. So they cried out to the Lord and they even said to Moses in 14 verses 11 and 12, why did you do this? 
Why did you bring us here just to die? But in verse 13, I love this, Moses answers the people. And he says, do not be afraid, stand firm, as you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. In other words, wait for it. Oh, wait for it. Too often we lose patience. I lose patience. And I want to fight my own battle. But in this case, for the Israelites, there really was no battle. In fact, the Israelites were unskilled in the art of war. And they were facing an army who was trained with weapons and chariots and warriors. The Israelites had nowhere to go but forward but what was in front of them. A sea. God had given them no alternative. And as they sat in front of that riverbank, I can't help but think that maybe he had to do it that way. Because their faith wasn't strong enough yet to choose the right option. And because he would receive the glory in the end, because he would be their rescuer, and because he would be their redeemer, he would get the glory. So I thought, imagine standing at the edge of Canandaigua Lake, right? By the way, it's just a fraction of the distance that they would have had to cross. The enemy is on your heels with spears and and chariots and warriors. They're right at your back, and the water opens. Would you go? I think these people lived in the desert. They couldn't swim. Would you go into the water? Well, the story goes on to describe how God had opened that sea and provided a dry path for them to follow. God provided for their needs as they crossed that impossible dry seabed. And think about this. It's an unbelievable but a true story. The enemy would not be so fortunate as God had promised them. That sea would swallow them up. They would never see those same Egyptians again. God destroyed their enemies, and it would be for his glory. It's no different for us. God knows the state of our faith, and he meets us right there and moves us forward, sometimes kicking and screaming. The Israelites did a lot of that. But just as the Israelites' journey was intentional, as they were getting to know their God, coming into that relationship, our journey, with all its twists and turns, also has purpose as we begin and come into a deeper relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus. So what good is patience in all this? Well, patience deepens our faith. It teaches us to hear God's voice. It teaches us to trust in God's promises, to trust in his character. Patience makes us rely on God in the midst of that unknown journey. There's a line in a song that I love, and the song is called Seasons. And it says, you're the God of patience. If you're not done working, then I'm not done waiting. Now, my oldest daughter did make it back to her apartment that evening. She watched several hours as the sun set. I love this. Children met them with water bottles along the way. She will never forget that journey, and neither will I. To me, it was uh, as though God had just opened a path for her to walk. She had no choice but to walk to her home, because if she could have taken the subway, she would have. If she could have called a friend with a car, she would have. If she could have taken a cab, she would have. If she could have gotten home any other way, she would have. But she couldn't. That opportunity was not available to her, so she walked. And God kept her safe and gave her strength to overcome her fears. God provided help along the way, and God taught all of us quite a a lot on that journey because it was the journey that required the patience and the faith and it was the journey that deepened both of those things for our family. 
And I got to tell you, when she finally arrived home, she had a little bit of cell phone left because she couldn't plug it in, remember, of that battery. And she called to tell us she was home and we celebrated. And that's a part of our journey as well. And that's the next point that we want to make with you this morning. How's the fun part? You've made it. Through what God has called you to do, you've experienced patience and growth and transformation and potentially even more. So now what? Like we've said, this isn't a one and done. It's a continual cycle. So there will be something next. And in our hustle and bustle culture, we could be tempted just to move on to that next thing. But that's not what God is calling us to do. And Isaiah, he tells us to do something different. He says, blessed are those who wait for him. So here we are at our last point. God desires to bless us. He wants to see us succeed and experience the riches of success. We acknowledge the work it took, and then we celebrate. This Hebrew word of blessed, ashir, is used 45 times in the Bible, and it is often used to describe a result of something. For example, in the book of Psalms, you'll read, blessed are those who take refuge in him. Blessed are those who trust in him. Blessed are the ones whose strength comes from him, and so on. This blessing is not of luck or chance, but a direct result of following God. God blesses our obedience and our patience. And he's asking us to take a moment to bask in that. After desiring a snack, yet waiting for dinner, my daughter will finish her night with just a little treat. We might not always like this process of waiting and obedience, but surely there are blessings in it. We need to remember to pause and accept that blessing. After the Israelites safely crossed the Red Sea and witnessed the destruction of their enemies, Miriam sang a song of praise. Exodus 15 is filled with this song, and she praises God while reflecting on all that he has done. Exodus 15, 1 and 2 says, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him. My father's God, and I will exalt him. The Israelites paused praised God, and celebrated for the provision that he had provided. They did this before taking the next step in their giant journey that they had ahead of them. See, they didn't cross the Red Sea and get to the promised land, but they crossed the Red Sea and finally experienced freedom. We too celebrate the goodness of God throughout our lives. It's an opportunity to know him and make him known. We come to know God more in our journey, and we come to make him known in our celebration. All praise to God. It is through him that I was able to complete this journey. It was through him that I had the strength to overcome addiction. It was through him that the Israelites were able to cross the Red Sea. Blessed are those who wait for him and thank God for it. That recognition serves us well in what's next. This cycle of God calling, I acknowledge, God meeting, I accept. God is fair and just, I take action. God blessing and I celebrate. It happens all throughout our faith journey. And how sweet is it that we can look back and we can see the evidence of God's goodness and his faithfulness and presence throughout it. That evidence is a reminder and fuel for the next journey that we have. The Israelites had a huge adventure out of them. And truthfully, this people group had no idea that the freedom that they were really looking for, that safety and comfort, was going to come thousands of years later in the form of Jesus. And we get to experience that now. Isaiah 30, 18, therefore, the Lord waits to be gracious to you, and therefore he exalts himself to show you mercy. 
for the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are those who wait for him. So what's that next step for you? Is it a call to accept salvation? Is it to join a small group? To tie, to change jobs, to read the Bible in the year? Whatever nudge you're feeling, please don't feel like you're doing this alone. We're here for you. That's why we're here, where we get to come together every Sunday in fellowship. And we want to partner with you. One of the ways that we do that is on our website at crosswinds.church under connect and the next steps. We have some resources to kind of help you navigate what that is. But honestly, if you haven't accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that's the next step. That's the first step. And if you were here last week, you might have seen people come to the front. They were nudged um, by God and they accepted that. And maybe you were nudged too, but you didn't know what to do with that. So we want to offer an opportunity, a moment um, for you to accept God's call in your life. We're going to be um, ending today with a song, It Is Well With My Soul. And we can sing this song not because of the circumstances that surround us, but because of Christ that's within us. If you felt a nudge or longing for this relationship with Christ, now's the time. We're going to offer this opportunity. I'm going to have a moment of prayer, but before that, we're going to have a little moment of silence too, to just kind of digest what we've talked about today. Then I'm going to offer this call to salvation, and we're going to end with giving God all the glory. Would you join me? you're feeling nudged to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior in the quietness of your height and the quietness of your seat or saying it aloud, all you have to say is, yes, Lord, I desire to be in line with you. I desire to have a relationship with you. As you reflect today, you can think about where you are in your journey and know that you're not alone. We're here with you. And God has never left you. Let's take a moment to pray. Father God, we thank you for just this opportunity to come together, to hear your word, and to hear stories from the Bible um, that we can grow and learn from. We thank you for um, just being able to come in fellowship and to hear from others. We're so blessed by this church and by your word. I pray that everyone in this room knows and can feel that they are not alone, that you are with them and so are we, and that they are motivated and excited for what's next for them, Lord. We thank you for this beautiful day, for all your wisdom, and in your holy name we pray, amen.